This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. Awesome. No, it, it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. That's fine, it's a bit blackfish, you'll like to talk about that. You'll have, you'll, you'll be able to react to that. No. If it's the first time I've seen it, I. <laughs> no, the only reason I'm watching it is because you liked it, and I've not seen it. Aye. That'll be something easy for you to talk about. Right. So. You want to drink it at home first? No, thanks. Stop picking your spots and get on with it. Get handy. Okay, so hello and welcome to episode 36 of Films and Swearing. This is your host Stuart here. Uh, no Andy this week. Uh, life happened, so he will be back on the next episode. So this week, uh, in lieu of not posting an episode, I thought we need to stay consistent. We need to get an episode out every week on something at least. So we've got Margaret, my wife. Hi everyone. Oh, she's <laughs> shy. Well, no, she's... Right, I'm shy. Yeah, shy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been some day for us. Oh, aye, it's been some day, an exciting day. Aye, aye. Sit forward a little. Oh, I have to. Ah, uh, the, the doctor suggested you need to. You aye, stop, when I'm bigger. Stop, stop lying back on the couch. <laughs> you need to sit forward with your hands on your legs, so that the, the second baby could be sitting in the right position. <laughs> so aye, we did. We found. Well, we didn't find out. We confirmed. The fact that we are having our second child today. Yep. By having our first scan with the doctor. Yep. So. I'm getting fucking separate beds. So this keeps happening to us. I'm, I reckon how the fuck this keeps happening to us. You're, but just, you're just a machine. <laughs> I switch you off. Fucking unplug me. <laughs> Take your batteries out. Ah, oh, So. And we've told the family. So like. Uh, well, most of them all. Nah, well, and hopefully. Vo- We've, we've put it on the social networks. Yeah. So, they now know. Yep. The world now knows. Yep. So our phones will probably go ding dong. Yep. At some point. But, so I we're not going to talk about First Blood, because that's for me and Andy. And that was your movie request, so there's no point talking about the movie you suggested. Uh, we were going to talk about Interstellar, which we're going to see the morn. Yep. But, that was all higgledy-piggledy, trying to figure it. Not enough time, time in a day. Aye, so, and too soon maybe. Like we need to let that one breathe. Fine. For about a week. For a week, no. no. I was thinking like, because usually when we review movies that come out at the cinema, the shows are usually a lot shorter because we don't want to talk about spoilers too much and some facts and figures like awards and uh, box office, all that stuff. Still, like the dust has not settled. So like Interstellar's one like bugger all at this point because it's just out. Aye, well, so there's all shit like that but it just depends how excited you are to see the film like when it comes to like the, the new Avengers movie we'll probably be podcasting about that just because I want to talk about it <laughs> so uh, then it was going to be in, Inception but that's also too long too long and the fucking facts on that film was like I was going to say off the page and it was it was like onto three pages yeah. So I was pausing for like applause or like can't laughter there, but it didn't happen. No. Uh, so we're going with one of your picks. Well, one thing, like a film that you suggested, like, holy fuck, you need to watch this. Right. Blackfish. Yes. Killer Eating Wheels. Killer Eating Wheels. Uh, my Killer Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> killer Man Wheels, whatever. I've got baby brain. All <laughs> oh, right, I see. <laughs> Quickly falling back onto that old chestnut. <laughs> no, you just, it's just not talking about Aye, let's not use your baby brain just yet. Okay, so aye, we're going to watch Blackfish. Um, you've seen it, I've not. Yeah. We're talking about the new because I've not watched it yet. Nope. I thought we'd do a quick introduction. So, um, after this little musical break, we will be back and we'll be talking about Blackfish. Yep. Hope it's, hope it's a, a happy film. Well. Once again, squished. 
But I managed to get a question. Yeah. Alright, it's fine. That's no euthanism for something. <laughs> no, I mean, in the key. You're Batman against Squished. The one legged Batman. Hmm. He sat that laptop on top of the poor bugger, and he's got to lose another leg. Is that Batman? Knee legs? <laughs> Knee legged Batman. <laughs> A shit superhero. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're back. Yep. We started a podcast two days ago. Life got in the way. Blackfish was very depressing. Grim. Yeah, it was pretty grim. Real. Mm. So we went to the picture so I entered Stella instead. Yep. And we want to talk about that. Yep. You don't need to answer it every time I finish speaking. It's just habit, so shut up. I know, like, you're just, like, outstaging Andrew already. <laughs> like, you would just look at me and he's like, what, I have to fucking say something new. Fuck's sake. Yeah, that's Andrew for you, though. <laughs> anyway, we are we're going to talk about Interstellar because we just saw it and it like twisted my melon. Not like in a sex way where I get my wife to twist. Oh, wait, my wife's here. <laughs> Damn it, we can't even talk about all the fucking boy stories. Of, <laughs> what oh, boy stories? <laughs> well, hey. Boy stories are their toy stories. Oh, God. Anyway, Interstellar. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, it's also uh, co-written with his brother, Jonathan. Brother? Is it... <laughs> Jonathan, did you say? Written by Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan. Oh, right. I thought you said third brother. Third, third brother from another sh- mother. <laughs> it sounds crap like that. <laughs> but sure, sure, <laughs> eh? <laughs> the film is starring Matthew McConaughey as Cooper, Anne Hathaway as Amelia Brand, David Giuseppe. Zappy as Romley, Wes Bentley as Doyle, Jessica Chanstein as Murph, adult Murph, Casey Affleck as Tommy Cooper, Timothy Chamlet as young Tom, me, Mackenzie Foy as young Murphy, Michael Caine as Professor Brand, and Jonathan Lithgow as Donald. Lithgow. 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 Let's go. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. So, Margaret, tell me about Interstellar. Tell me the plot <sighs> in a nutshell. In a nutshell. A uh, farmer who was a pilot for NASA yep. comes across this mysterious base in the middle of nowhere, Yep. tries to open the gates, gets a big bright light shining on his face, Right. gets kidnapped, more or less, finds out, oh, it's NASA, right. and they want to bribe him into doing another spaceship mission. Kinda. Well, more or less, because the planet's dying and they need to find There is no bribe. No, well... What what are they holding against them to get him to go into space? His family and the fact that the Earth's dying and his family's got to be stuck in Earth unless he goes out and finds another planet because he's the best pilot they have. Aye. Because no one else could... Pretty big guilt trip. Yeah, no one else could fly as good as him. The world's going to die if you do this. It's going to die anyway. Your daughter's generation's going to suffer, that's what the guy said. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. Did you not watch the film? Oh! <laughs> being a cunt, eh? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But, aye, so, well, he may less goes into space. Wait, wait, wait. And then... What are you Yeah. I'm shutting you down. Well, you asked me what the general I'm shutting you down. Ah, uh, Margaret. That was even half Margaret. If this was on separate microphones, yours would be off already. Oh, shush. We're going to spoil the film, if you've not seen it yet. Oh, right. Aye. Aye. <laughs> He's like, aye, maybe they would. What would we heads up before? We was like, there's giant walking fridges. <laughs> and they're not even from space. So aye, they go to space. Shit happens. Yeah, a lot of shit. Weird shit. Let's talk about it. You're going to spoil the film now, are you? We are. That was a spoiler <laughs> warning. Right, okay. Oh, you're a wee sarcastic <laughs> bitch with a bit of mic in front of you, eh? Right, so, aye. They go to space, because that's the whole reason they get Matthew McConaughey as the playing Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Because he's the, the slick pilot with experience, and all the other scientists have been in the. Stimulator? No. No, that's, that's <laughs> one of those fucking toys you talk about. Oh um, the simulator. Aye. Not the stimulator. Alright, oh, shut up. <laughs> so. They've they've all just like they've played the video game. They've not done the real thing. They're just boys survived. 
some sort of that was one thing we never got to find like find out what, what, what what's this nightmare he gets about well he crashed his plane we can not he's whatever spaceship he was in exactly so surprisingly they don't go into the backstory. No. they just go running straight ahead mm-hmm. and actually rather going beat for beat through the film first I'll ask you did you like the film? Ah, uh, yeah, I really liked the film. It's a bit like Inception, cross the way. Uh, Gravity. Put the two films together, and there you have it. There's Interstellar. That's how I see it. That's how you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Aye. I think of it as it's sort of like three films intertwined, told over the course of like three hours. Yeah. So. Aye, aye. That's it. I thought my I was going. I felt like I should have a more complex and answer. Yeah, but that's it. It's three Christopher. Did Nolan you like movies. it? You never said you liked it or not. You just yeah, I really liked it. I, 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 on a rating of do I like or not, twisted my melon <laughs> <laughs> clocks in it quite high. <laughs> I think if that acts a double entendre, it's like, oh, you, you liked it. Well, that much. <laughs> that much. I can sit with a pillow on the bus, him. <laughs> so, space! I'm going to stand out in the rain for a minute, calm down. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, aye, it's... Let's see, think. I'm holding my hands up. So, let's talk about this. Like... I was watching it, waiting for it to get sort of like Inception weird, because Inception straight from the beginning is like straight out yeah. science fiction. Mm-hmm. People are, are putting on little headsets, clicking a little machine. Next thing they're in someone's dream, mm-hmm. infiltrating it, doing this, that, and the next thing. Interstellar is pretty much a straight out film, like. Matthew McConaughey is a farmer, it's all pretty normal, going to space, right? That That's not a far stretch because people's went in space, that shit's happened. There's nothing weird, the world's not rolling in on itself yet, uh, Batman's no showed up. <laughs> so it, it's all it's all been quite factual. It's just when it gets like the whole technology of wormholes and Other time planets. warps. Mm different galaxies black holes like when they get the space is where they get to kind of take the film out there mm-hmm. take it in like avenues you've no mm-hmm. seen unless you've watched a lot of sci-fi films but it was it was just really 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 interesting like I just sitting there like head resting on like my fist it's a film that kept you wanting to watch it, whereas there's films like, out there that drag on a bit and you get a wee bit bored and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Especially... And you kind of can tell what was going to happen next, but with this film, you didn't. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what you were expecting. And it kept you... Your for imagination going to see... three hours, uh, you were wondering what was happening next. Nothing hooked. seemed obvious. Like, it was like, oh, it, it's, this is going to happen. There might have been like one or two moments where you're like, I can't what's going to happen next, but it's to the point where it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a, in a certain situation. Eh, let's, let's stop pussyfooting around these situations and talk about them. Some of the bullet points I've got is the robots with personalities. Pretty cool. I was, yeah, they were even the design. Because mm-hmm. it looked like a walk-in fridge freezer. More or less. And then it came to split up and it was like a rotating... It was like some sort uh, of a Rubik's Cube. Aye, uh, star like. Uh, Swiss Army knife. Aye, uh, kind of thing. It turned into what it needed. Yeah. Because at first it was, it was just like two vending machines glued together, walking left, right, left, right. So just this big clumpy. Machine. Aye, fucking stainless steel box. Walking about, talking. And that was the thing, they, like, they had personalities. Yep. They, they sounded like there was people in there. Why? One thought you saw an army, but it sounds it. Mm. And like they have sense of humour. It's like they took the piss out of Matthew McConaughey at times. Quite a lot. <laughs> and that was 
the thing where it's like, wait a second, this is sci-fi. Like, robots just need to be cold, calculated machines. And dudes are told. Aye, so, like, I was waiting for all this, and, like, Asimov's, like, law on robots and all this jazz. But, no, it is, like, the robots were her crewmates. They were just programmed machines, but with personalities. Now, amongst all the trivia, uh, Christopher Nolan said the science fiction, this film, the science fiction film is made up, or not made up of, uh, contains several influences of like sci-fi films he loved growing up. So it's like films he watched as a child. I'd imagine Alien would be in there at some point. There, there is that does clock up in a little later, but. He also took reference from the Douglas Arms, Douglas Adams book, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, oh, yeah, yeah. and which featured uh, android, uh, Marvin the Depressed Android. I don't know anything. About- so that was the character from the book, where it was an android with its own personality, and it suffered from depression. Oh. So it was a, a mopey, depressed bastard, but oh, it was a big robot. So he wanted to kind of install the same sort of thing of having his robots with their own personalities as well. Rather than, how can I help? Nee, nee. <laughs> Destroy. Like a, what do you call him? Daleks. Star- oh, Daleks for Star Wars. Star Wars? Oh, <laughs> Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Who the fuck like do you think you are? Baby brain, here. right, so <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Aye, she's, she's still pulling that card, people. I will be pulling it to this bairn's here. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, like, Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway... Uh, Doyle and the black dude and the two robots. What's the black dude called? Uh, Romley. Romley. They all get in the ship, go into space, and they're given the choice to three planets. No, they have to to explore three planets. Aye. Aye, but then they only have the resources to explore. Sort of one. One. Because when they get there, they they receive the information, saying, right, we've got the data back from the three ship, well, from the three... Previous pilots that have landed on planets, which they named after the pilots. So there's like uh, Planet Miller, Planet Man, and Planet uh, Murphy. Murphy? No, no. That, that's the door. Uh, it's like M- Emmer Emerton or something. Emerton, no, right. And there's, they decide, right, let's go to the first planet, Planet Miller. And this is like when like, they start dropping the heavy science on you, saying that. Right, if we go to this planet, there's going to be a sort of time warp. Yeah. Time, like, their time is different from our time. So if you spend one hour on planet Miller... Seven years. Seven years back on planet Earth, yeah. depending on how they go in. So they come up with the idea of circling around it, then just flying right down onto it, into the planet, rather than kind of going around the planet and land and then just go drop down... Do what information, like... Get what they need. Aye, because I'm guessing, like, each of the previous astronauts, like, were collecting data. Aye, samples and... Samples, like a black box, essentially. Yep. All that shit was pretty fascinating, because, like, when they got there, it was almost like something out of a video game. It was like just a planet of water. Just all water. They landed in, like, a a knee-high ocean... Mm. with something wrong about it big wrong thing about it <laughs> I, I was cool because like at first you're looking it does just look like hills in the distance it wasn't aye but like, do you realise though what I thought the the waves because it's big waves on this planet there's nothing else when they come at a period of time they're about 300 foot high probably higher than that and you see in the distance you see this wave and you didn't care if it's coming towards you or if it's going away mm-hmm. and I assumed it was coming towards them right. hence why they clipped on that it was in the mountains and it was a wave little did they know that there was a bigger wave there was a, the same wave another wave behind them mm-hmm. that was coming even closer and trying to get them back on the ship before they all went for a swim mm-hmm. aye well that was it because they were under the impression it was just mountains in the background mm-hmm. and it was just these waves slowly coming towards them and, like, lo and behold, they realised the people that arrived there obviously were killed with the wave, and that's it. I loved the, the whole fact, like, when he started, like, breaking down the science of, um, 
they they found out that transmission from Miller, and they arrived there, and everything looked like it had just happened, because technically in that planet that Miller could have arrived an hour before them and got killed. Yeah. Back on Earth, seven years has like Miller's right. been communicating for like the last seven years, but to them like this shit just happened. They just landed, got killed. And that's them showed up, and like all the wreckage is still fresh and. Like, There's no bodies though. No, I, I just, just the wreckage. Imagine the like I just like they got carried with the current or the waves, but it kind of instilled that panic of like the next waves coming. Right, get to the boat, like get back to the ship, and I, I always thought it was cool how basically that's when the walking vending machine comes to life, mm-hmm. turns into this sort of spiral, like Swiss Army life, and just starts bolting across. The water saves Anne Hathaway and chooses not to save Doyle. Poor Doyle gets... <laughs> he goes like for he, an early swim. He, he gets... Make it. Ah, he kind of goes quite abruptly. Yeah. It's sort of like every planet they went to, they lost one part of their crew. But, so like, whilst all this stuff's happening here, we also have like another movie happening back home. Oh, back home. Because Matthew McConaughey... Lives it lives on his little farm with his father in law. Is he the only was he only farmer that the only farmer that was producing enough corn and the fact that other because at the beginning of the film you seen other folk burning their farm their Aye. crops because they weren't they weren't growing or they weren't doing whatever. Uh, I think some folk had chose like chose other things that didn't work out and they seemed to be like the ones that were just growing corn and people were like, Oh fuck, we should have done that mm-hmm. and so it was, it looked like folk were giving up and just burning their fields and trying again or, but... The reason behind it, obviously, well, do you want me to tell them? Well, it's a, we're just having a discussion about it, yeah. you need to worry about who's listening to us. Um, is they, start, they get really bad dust storms and there's dust everywhere um, and they get them quite frequently and it's what kills a lot of their crops mm-hmm. and the corn's the only one that kind of, it seems to... Withstand. withstand it but it's affecting folks health and that's why you see them kind of leaving ah folks do start just leaving the town because they've had enough I mean imagine staying in a, a place where it's, you're getting constant sandstorms you're like oh. ah they struggle to sustain life like people are getting problems breathing breathing because they're taking in dust it's like thought that we almost worked in coal mines like I guess all the stuff will be affecting our lungs and like I was Strange because this obviously must happen in America where there is some there sort is, of there's, dust bolt. Like, they get the odd sandstorm or dust storm at one point. There's one, I'm sure there's one this year or last year. It was quite recently that they had one somewhere in America, in the middle of America, somewhere. Mm. And um, they seem to get them, but not as often as obviously in the film. But mm. it is a thing that does happen. Aye, because I think you get them in Australia as well. Christopher Nolan had put up a like one of the minor inspirations was something to do in the 1930s there was a thing called uh, the Great Dust Bowl incident where it's sort of like a not like a wind tunnel but it was like a great sandstorm of dust kind of affected something of something that's the point where Andrew would call bullshit on me for not doing my proper research bullshit terrible you should have done your research but more like a bloke. That, not that, a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst impression of Andrew ever. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, he leaves behind his kids, his daughter Murphy, and his son Tom, yep. with their granddads, John Lithgow. Yep, one and only. Which, should you really be leaving them with him? How? Because, like... Last time we seen him, he was like on Planet's Apes and had like Alzheimer's. Like, oh, I don't leave it with it. Doesn't he have Alzheimer's in this film, though? I know, but I was waiting for like a wee nod to like Third Rock for the Sun. Like, wait a second, they flew out into there so far, but there's already aliens on the planet! <laughs> no. No. No, okay. <laughs> so, yes, we do get that story of uh, like the supernatural edge. To the story where Murphy, like Murphy, the little girl, is convinced she's got ghosts in her house. Yeah. In her room, who, who keep knocking the books off her shelf. 
And you didn't think much of it until, like, the whole reason how he ends up in going... The the bookshelf is knocking out binary coordinates. Yeah. At which takes them to the place where they find Michael Caine and the wee NASA base and they go off to space. Yeah. That's the only thing that leads to there, but it's something that you think, right, the, the sort of gravity force in this little girl's room was just leaving binary coordinations. That's it. And, and the great thing about this, it isn't just that. No, like, it's mere to it, no. Fucking later on, the, the way they go back, it hits you like a sort of ton of bricks. <laughs> like, I always love it when movies do a thing and it's like... They twist it and you expect a, it. It's a small thing at the beginning of the movie. And then, like, the movies almost went back to the beginning, but you're seeing it from the other perspective, and you're like, oh, no, this scene's so much more significant. <laughs> my brain, my melon's being twisted. <laughs> so, um, but I, back in space, like, the, the fucking scene that, like, really kind of blew my mind, which is not... Big, it's not visually spectacular, but it's when they return back to the ship after leaving Planet Miller. Uh-huh. And uh, looking online, they said they were on there for about 3.4 hours, which was with 23 years, years almost. Aye. So, uh, Romley's age slightly. The, the, the thing I thought, like, this guy should be 23 years older, but he was in sort of like the space sleep, how they had a little. Uh, water tanks that they mm. sleep in, like but that's that's what's been preserving him, rather than him aging. Oh, because I thought this dude's only got a little bit grey in his beard. Aye, but I hope to look that grey after twenty three years. He said he only went in them a couple of times, and then he kind of gave up because he Aye. thought they wanted coming back. So he, he aged partially. Yeah, but it's the whole fact that it's right as well. It's been twenty three years you've been away for. Um, there's 23 years worth of video messages from home waiting for you. And it's just that scene where Matthew McConaughey is sitting down watching like the home movies that have been sent to him, where it's videos of his son, and he gets emotional because, like... He's missed all. Ah, he's missed his kid. Then it cuts back, and his kid's all grown up. He's uh, Casey Affleck now, with, like, a beard... And he's got his grandkid there, and he's like starting to really tear up, like kind of giggle and laugh with the excitement of like, holy shit, I've got a grandchild, and like he's just overcome with emotion, and then it fucking swivels, swirls it around because like these people live in this fucking dust bowl, and his child basically got some sort of lung infection or. The, the dust wasn't any good for the little baby um, and basically the baby, baby dies died. and then like it's just this real emotional but the thing is though I never really clicked on that the baby died as such because you've seen the video and you've seen the wee baby and then it, the next one the next is one was... him apologising for taking so long to talk after everything that's happened with Jesse and like, he was trying to talk about the bear's lungs and Oh, right, I thought he was talking about his dad, his granddad, because did his granddad not die? Hence why he had There was, but I think that was like in an earlier message, like it was a week oh, after right. the granddad. Because I didn't, I must, I didn't, I must have went to, no, I never went to Fergie. Must have missed it somehow that he said that Jesse died, because I didn't care until. It's all just quickly. talking about burying their granddad next to, obviously, their mum and Jesse, and I'm like, and it didn't click that it was their son because they had another son. Yeah, aye, the second so, child. But it was, it was just that fucking emotional roller coaster of that happening and then like Murphy shows up Eventually. As like an adult woman saying it's my birthday. It's not a special birthday. Well he made the promise to her that he would fly, like go off in space, come back, and he might come back and she'll be the same age as him the day he left. And she's and I started saying, right, well, we're now the same, I'm the same age as you when you left this planet and you're still not here. And it is, it's just like so much waves of emotion at once. Yeah. And fucking Matthew McConaughey really just, like, doesn't overact, but you just, like, an emotional washing machine. 
It was his time of the month. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of emotion he went through, it was like a woman going through her time of the month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey could win another Oscar <laughs> because he could convincingly pull off a period. <laughs> stole it for Anne Hathaway that should have been her Oscar <laughs> she does that performance monthly <laughs> so um, there is one th- one part of this movie I'm not going to spoil they go to the planet man uh-huh. they meet up Dr. Man mm-hmm. and I'm not going to tell them who Dr. Man is because no. that surprised me yeah that surprised me as well because I never thought he would be in that sort of film Alright, so that was the, the whole thing. I was like, not looking into too much about this movie. Like, when we went there, I knew it was going to happen in space. Like, but I never digged into You knew it. the main characters, but you didn't know who else was kind of. Ah, like, you see, this, we watched, like, the special on telly and all this stuff and thought, right, I've got a rough idea. I know who the director is, so there, uh, there's a standard of movie, like, filmmaking that I'd expect. A high standard of filmmaking I'd expect from this man and all that. So it was right, we'll just go in, just trust it. And just when, like, this dude pulls up, like, it was like, fuck it, like... Well, okay, that was surprising, because when they got there to the second planet, Planet Man, and they got get to the little space station, like, the ship that was obviously landed, and uh, they find the wee chamber with a dude in it, and I thought, Christ, wait, actually, this might be someday, someday famous in this chamber. Like, they I might... never thought, to be honest, it would be anybody famous. I, reckon so... I felt like they were kind I of actually thought the person would have found them dead and be like, oh. But that was also another thing where it was like, oh, fuck, something happened, he died. Another wasted journey. But just when the door's open and they're pulling the bag back, I said, Christ, I wonder if like George Clooney's got his set up, oh. start coughing and spluttering. <laughs> then you could have fucking tied it into gravity but it was like when that dude popped up I was like ah that's cool like he's not that high brown he's not that low it's like you sort of like perfect guy to appear in this movie but boy has he aged aye he's aged big time he, but aye like, he ages like everyone else <laughs> and I'm sure he could use some just for men here die maybe that was it they wanted to give him that withered look because Dr. Man, like he's been on this the second planet. The planet man where they were led to believe it, did, oh, it, did, it was oh. possible that life could be hey. uh, like they could sustain life on this planet. Because they had two choices for the, the other two planets. Because they went to one, they fucked up. There, there's hardly any fuel, right? We've only got the choice of going to one I'm and going making home. sure we've got the right one. Mm-hmm. So they choose... Planet Man. They only chose it because the information no, came just back that. good. And no, just that. I let me get it all right, right there first. Right so everything seemed a okay with that planet, and they're still getting a signal from it. The other planet, what was that all about? The other planet. Aye. Ah. Doctor Man planet. No. No. That there was a choice of two planets. Uh-huh. So I thought you were meaning right. No, everything's no, I mean, good about this planet. They only chose Doctor Man's planet because what's say what's her name? The main actress in it. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway was in love with Doctor Man. That's what Man. I'm trying to get. No. Ah, he was. No, it was. That was the other planet that they chose against. No, I'm sure it's she. No, all right, okay. Aye. So they had a choice to go between Dr. Man's planet because that had all the positive signs of life. The another one, uh, Dr. I forgot, I'm going to say Dr. Edmonds. Edmonton's or... And she had a crush on him. Oh, right. I thought she had a crush on Dr. Man. No. So she she had like... I clearly didn't listen to her in the film very much. <laughs> like, woman. So there, there was that thing of are you following your head or are you following your heart? Mm. And she was saying, I'm going my heart. Like, it, like gut instinct is to go to this planet. We could be sustained life. Sure, we're not heard from it for a while, but I think this is the place to go. And they say, nah, we have to go with the one that's given us the right signs and is still currently in contact with us. So they go there, wake up Dr. Man, he says, right, aye, everything's perfect here, honestly, right, so, 
let's go for a wee walk. Ah, perfect, but it's a frozen planet. Aye, so that that whole his story was like when you get deep down in, like past the ice, there's there's a there's like grass, there's water, there's oxygen. Like sure, like uh, you might get ammonia if you like breathe in for too long. But sorry, I'm just all clogged up with this sudden cold. Ugh. So I were led to the impression that I it's it's like an icy planet. But life could be sustained on it if you kind of get deep into it. What was our short planet? 67 day, 67 night? That one was 67 hours. I thought he says it was 67 day and then at night it was 67. Aye, but he says it was uh, 60, like 67 hours cold during the day, uh, 67 hours very cold at night. That was sort of like the lines of dialogue he was saying. Oh, right, I got me confused. I was thinking 67 days and stuff. That's, that's long. Aye, right? so no, he was, he was talking hours. But... So then again, right now we've got more like time manipulation. Because basically by the end of the movie, did they know end up being 127, 120 hours old? No, 127 years old. By the time Matthew McConaughey like, returned to Earth. Aye, he's 120 or 24 or something like that. It did not look like it one bit. He hadn't aged. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's the science part. Uh, but... It was the whole thing when realised Dr. Man's planet is pointless. It is just a giant snowball flowing through space. And Dr. Man was... Like, he realised that the whole point of them going to space, they had two reasons. Well, they had two plans. Find a way to save Earth. If there's no way to save Earth, here is like all the fucking DNA you need to... Create life Fet- on this planet. Fertilised eggs, wasn't it? That were in incubators. Yeah. So they could start a new colony on a hospita- hospitable planet. planet. So they had that. But, basically, Michael Caine's character, the professor, knew that plan A was never going to happen. He figured it out himself. Earth's fucked. The only way to do it is go out there and find the planet. At least he kind of tried he, 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 he was honest enough to say that, but then he was still trying mm-hmm. to find a resource. He wasn't even that honest. He kind of just got found out. He sent, like, all those people got sent yeah, in space. Spoiler! <laughs> 32 minutes. I'll remember that and edit that bit out. Uh, so Dr. Man, <laughs> uh, well, realised, I've been sent to this planet. This planet's a dud. There's no way I'm being turned back home. I'm like I'm just left here. That's me. I'm fucked. So he decides to like attack McConaughey. He goes psychotic. Aye, and like that actor Evil. is great psychotic. Like he plays a bad guy brilliantly. Like just kind of that twist. Like he is a creepy guy when he could be evil. Like intimidating. Just something about him. Like that's what they kept on about survival instincts. And it was he kind of pulled off perfectly of. Uh, smashing his his helmet and throwing away the little intercom system that he had and took his oxygen and took his he? oxygen away and just left him to basically just choke and die like on that planet and then just go back steal the ship and continue on the mission himself but he fucked up but I like M- McConaughey manages to kind of get his team back together and that's when like we, we lose Romley where yeah. he's trying to... Uh, he had one of the robots and he... Aye. It was going a bit Dr. Man had his own one, but he... To sustain like the, an energy source in his one, like he he dissembled, took the machine apart, mm-hmm. put it together on the other side, but he was like a booby trap. Yeah. Basically, before he could find out what he had done, it blew up, taken out, wrongly, but saving one of the talking robots, because we had like... I think new robots were just indestructible. Tars and Case. Case, uh, and Case. Is it Case that came out? Case ah, he <laughs> came out like burnt, going, Oh, you have a bastard! No, was, I, think, I think he was alright. I think he was a wee bit of smoke on his case. <laughs> <laughs> so he came out going, Oh, you have a bastard! That happened, that happened! They killed the black dude! But, more robot like. <laughs> so it, it turns into a little act, like, it becomes like the movie within the movie. 
like a wee suspense thriller kicks in where like this happens and I would explode there's an explosion and then at the same time Anne Hathaway's a flying to say what's his name Matthew McConaughey McConaughey finally gets his his communications back and she realises what's wrong and she goes to the rescue with is it Tars Tars and they just get some in time and as that point happens Dr. Man manages to escape the planet with their shuttle aye and then there's an explosion and they check to see if there's any survivors but there's clearly part of the Hmm. the robot there isn't any aye so Man, I feel like we're just telling the story beat for beat. Ah, but it's a long film. Yeah, aye, it's three hours, but rather than go through it, like, and then this happened, like, I I feel like I didn't want to explain, like, a ten-year-old thing, and this happened, and then that, and then it got here, and then, like, the door wouldn't shut, and then... (laughs) Which was a pretty fucking awesome moment. Like, when Dr. Man does try to escape, but, like... He's ignorant. He's trying to say, right, it's not going to close, it's not going to close. And he's like, I'll just override it. Everything will be fine. And, like, the room's decompressurized and just... And I was like, that was the fucking moment I jumped in my seat. Like, because... You're expecting it, though. And you're just waiting for it to happen. And when you... But they at least expecting it, it pulled happened. the carpet out under your feet because it happened mid-sentence. Aye. Like, Dr. Man's like, no, this will never happen... <laughs> And like, I, I didn't get diff- what happened to him. I think he just did he explode just or did the, he just the whole fucking just part of the ship just like blew up. But it was. It was like I just think like my body reaction was as if I just sneezed. You made a mess with popcorn. Ah, oh, that happened well before that. But it was. I just kind of just jumped in my seat and went, "Oh, you fucking bastard!" Like it, it was that brilliant moment of like. <laughs> Expecting the unexpected just to fucking explode. Like, you're waiting for it to happen, but it wasn't at the moment you're expecting. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But other than all these, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What else did you like about it? What parts did you think that was pretty cool? The black hole moment. Not uh, going into too much detail about it, but there's a point. When they first go into it, or I when you didn't because you did in what the, just the gargantuan black I you didn't in what the circumstances it's going to be like because obviously McConaughey goes in with Tarjus goes in before him and he kind of follows suit aye and you didn't in what's going to happen because they always say whatever goes through the black hole is it's gone forever aye they never right. he, they never get any data but but then it came to it's it, it's where it turns really weird and. We expected their parts to like that. I didn't expect. Did you him. expect his story to end right there? Yeah, I didn't expect him to survive through that. Like, or Taj. That was sort of like the Armageddon moment yeah. where he's on the rock and it blows up and then he's gone. Whereas yeah. like they go into the black hole, oh fuck, they're dead. Right, let's follow Anne half away on our mission to the next planet. But they kind of come away from her completely. I, I reckon it just maybe because it's like Matthew McConaughey's, McConaughey's story. Mm. So we just stuck with him. Like, she was on her own mission, so she went off that way. And I thought, Christ, he's dead. And at first, it was sort of like him just floating through darkness. Like, that sort of unbearable feeling of just alone in the middle of nowhere. Then, all of a sudden, it's like he's fallen down a tunnel. And he's like, holy shit, he's sort of like landed in something. It's like he's fallen through like a net and he's going down like a, a tunnel of all these lines. And then, like, you're like, I stopped, I thought, I was like, holy shit, the film's went, like, it's had its inception moment. Aye, that's what I thought. It's like, the movies went full Nolan. Like, it was a normal movie, it was a little bit strange, but no, no this is full on Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the weird science shit has happened. But, at that precise point, no, a lot of things click, when you realise where ah. he is. Big Eureka moment. Yeah. You could tell it. You're better than <laughs> Because like the whole story, it go takes us right back to the beginning of the movie, when Murph, the little girl's in a room and the books are being knocked at the shelf, and somehow Matthew McConaughey ends up in this fifth dimension, which is like gravity and space are these physical things, like he could physically see 
the gravity in front of him. Like he could push his fingers through the gravity and mm-hmm. in time, like because he was just hanging there in space, but rather than being in a black space, it was thousands of little mirror images of his daughter's bedroom. And his daughter at different stages. Aye, and, and each little mirror image. Like I saw like a kaleidoscope and every little part he looks through is a different point in time with his daughter in that room. So he kind of gets to see her life and he gets to see himself in her life like at that time he's talking to her before she before he leaves the flying to space he gets to see these things and he realises he could kind of bend time and space like basically communicate to her through her bookshelf which takes us back to the beginning of the movie where him. she hints there's a ghost and it is that dull touching heartbreaking moment whereas he's he is uh, his daughter's ghost in the room leaving messages for her but it takes her uh, well to her current lifetime she's in her 30s to actually figure out the Morse code because she went back to her room and had another look and she's like right and that's who she started to figure out and she managed to get she had notes messages. before because that she was trying to tell him that the book the, the bookcase was telling her to stay because he had done a thing where he knocked out the S's and the T's and the A and the Y and it spelled no stay and she, and she was trying to tell her dad that I think the ghost wanted you to stay and he said ah oh, it's just books falling off the shelf don't worry about it and he didn't even know about it and it was it's just like this huge like being in the room and suddenly somebody's turned on the light it makes so much more sense now you're like holy shit like it's it's a fucking brilliant the way that they came up with it and the whole part about leaving his watch because he, he had two watches one with the time on his another one he wanted to give to her and he's got to wear his watch in space and they've got to come back and compare the time and she just threw it away but later on she left it on the bookcase and he managed to modify the second hand so it would display in Morse codes the, like the word NASA uh-huh. And but did it not leave? He left a message in it as well. Oh, he left that basically solved the gravity, the time, ah, space. But who helped him do it though? Him and Tars. Tars, they finally found Tars. Tars, I don't know where about. Tars, Tars was in his own one where he is floating through space, looking upon like a thousand different fridge freezers, <laughs> little mini fridge freezers, spitting out ice cubes. He was having his own little moment. <laughs> They still managed to communicate with each other. Ah, they managed to talk to each other in their little headsets. Go, I love you! Like, me too. <laughs> and it was, and it's not like when they solved this, like, relativity, this sort of thing, like, the fifth dimension burnt up. Yeah. And you thought, fuck. Like, yeah, that's how he was going That's him dead. Because it could have been the thing, right, he's done it. He solved it and sacrificed himself through doing so. But then, like, we wake up and he's on the Floating. Murphy station. No, that's it. He's, he's floating outside Saturn. Aye, uh, yeah, did you notice that? Because that's the first thing I noticed. He was outside Saturn and I was like, oh, so maybe he come back out the wormhole. Aye, it's sort of like he's solved it and he just dropped it. Well, that's it. It's a wormhole. Like, you go in one and come out the other. But then he mind you fell in the black hole, but then maybe they well, exit the black holes. There must be two sides to it. Aye. Like, that fifth dimension and that is out on the other side floating towards Saturn and you just see these little distant lights and that's him waking up on a space station because um, Murphy was she obviously cracked what she needed to do which we didn't really aye, do that was they kind of cut that a bit short like you she seen, never really said what she had to do she just knew and she'd done it and she aye, designed she, these ships and then she just snogged that boy for the 70s show uh, had her Eureka moment through her papers everywhere papers what mess she made uh, <laughs> and then and yet nobody else cheered when she flung it and they just looked and say oh, that nice. fucking ginger woman gets on my tits <laughs> fucking throwing pads of paper about you I, I, I get paid minimum wage to clear up after all your shit I think I, I, I give a fuck about relativity I just want to talk to the fridge freezer that went to space <laughs> Tars. But anyway, she designed these ships, which were pretty cool. Aye, and That's she when again solved it. it they could live on other stations. I see, these ships minded me a wee bit of Inception as well, just the whole angle. Like, Aye, the world like, was like around in a circle, like, 
Like and they do it in the stupidest, trippy way ever. Like, Aye. wake up on like a foreign planet, open the windows, ah, there's kids playing like a baseball game from like the 1920s. I actually thought and... he was back home on planet Earth. Aye, that's... that's what gave me the impression when you had the folk playing baseball. Aye. And then you seen you watch the baseball, it actually went straight up and hit through the window and you're like, oh, there's a hoof's up there. Aye, I'll, I'll explain it in a more audible sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, because they're playing baseball, the kid hits it. And instead of the ball just like going over across the field, it turns, it rotates up, and instead of like going up to the sky towards the sun, it hits a house above them, and you realise they're in some sort of toilet tube world, like some uh, Twilight Zone planet where it's just this uh, tubular planet. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to go around the world, you'd be like driving, driving sort of like around in a circle. Whereas this, you would be sort of inside the planet, driving up and around, mm-hmm. like doing loops in a tunnel. So it's this weird tunnel vision of a world, which is theirs, but they've recreated in space. Yeah, because he even recreated his farmhouse. Yeah, because like he's a fucking based on a legend at this point. He done this, passed on the code back to Earth that saved the planet. Well, well, it didn't save the planet. Earth is fucking a dust ball flying through space. Like it's a bit great new, like. All these future people are living on space stations, toilet tube space stations, <laughs> going around Saturn. And he's like the fucking hero that's come back, and his daughter's surrounded by her own family, and she's this old bitch now. And it was, it was like that kind of nice moment with her. It was a weird like, moment. She's old and wrinkly, and he's like not even aged a bit, but he's aye. 120 years old. Like. Aye, technically 120 years old. And it was like she realised that like, you were my ghost and all things like that. I was like, that's so fucking... Then she tells him to leave. Because like, she knows that Anne Hathaway is on a planet by herself. So it seems. Aye, well, like, she... she, And that's it. It cuts to her on that planet and she seems to have set up camp. She's got, every, like, a base all set up. Like, she's ready to start, start repopulating the planet on that side. And but didn't they tell you where the spaceships were going though if they were going to go to that planet well that's it he's in space well he's on the new space station they've got new space age technology and he's like I'm just got Nick Nick that was a real terrible southern accent <laughs> Nick so I'm just going to steal one of these ships I'm going to make one of them jets space jets <laughs> I'm going to fucking shoot this toilet tube and fly to Noel Edmonds planet with Anne Hathaway <laughs> and repopulate it. Hot diggity dog. <laughs> See you in Interstellar 2, y'all. Oh, God. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> okay, right. That's enough butchery. Fucking, aye, that is enough butchery. We need to stop talking about this film. Uh, let's get to the trivia now. I'm, the reason I'm being all this forward is because we're just about at an hour. Alright, well. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I, we both liked the film. Yep. Was there any parts you didn't like? Nope. Right. Not, to be honest with you, not there was any part. Because we're, we're still kind of in that mode of, we're just like, we saw the pictures yesterday, so we're still in that kind afterglow of. of, of no, like, if we think about it, and no, there's no really the, part the, I didn't like, or. There's no slow moments. I was a wee bit disappointed that the main professor, the old man, kind of lied, and that was like a heartbreaking moment where the woman. Believed them and what Michael, I my phones them, phones them and sends a video message, and says you knew we like we were all going to die this and you chose was... to leave us and his daughter was still better at those stages. Aye. But apart from that, no, I quite liked it and it was interesting to see that it gives you a wee imagination as to what other planets could maybe be like. You never know, mm. you never get that far, no, in this generation anyway. Aye. Um. Okay, so some of the wee notes I've nicked off of like Wikipedia and IMDb. Uh, what how we said about Christopher Nolan being influenced by several sci-fi films to make this film. Uh, influences were key touchstones of science fiction cinema. So he mentioned films like 2001 Space Odyssey for Stanley Kubrick. Uh, he said... Uh, the movies that you grow up with, the culture that you absorb through the decades become part of your expectations when you're watching a film. 
So you can't make any film in a vacuum. While like we're making a science fiction film, you can't pretend that two thousand one a space odyssey doesn't exist when you're making Interstellar. So like as you say, you can't make these movies without feeling influence. Having something similar to exactly because he he references films like Blade Runner. Uh, one that I found weird it's like all these notes and there's one bullet point at the bottom citing The Man of Steel as an influence I was like wait that film's like two years old mm. and its influence supposedly on the film was a farm set in the midwest well like that's Clark Kent aye but it just shows you though your influences uh, aye come from anywhere so. I don't, I'll have to check the source to see if that was a legitimate one because it could have just been any Superman movie that. because they've all kind of uh, would maybe just real light small but maybe film. the farm was similar <laughs> they grew corn in that one yeah <laughs> uh, Star Wars and Aliens were influences I, on it I see for, Alien for, for the production design of the ships the yeah, interiors yeah. a lot of it you took from that uh, films like Jaws and really Jaws Jaws Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, were influences when it came to making si- like movies when you're making a family film in the sense that um, it's sort of like a science fiction movie that has family elements I in mean, it like mum and dad like, brothers, sisters aunties, uncles so, like so he says most of these movies it's looked as a negative implication of that makes the film soft because oh I've got my kids at home and like I've got to do it for my fucking family yeah uh, space y'all and <laughs> He says, like, films like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jaws done these perfectly. Like, they maintained one film and still had these elements of families in them and it didn't affect the films. Like, it didn't soften Jaws in any yeah, way. didn't So, he says, when these were kids, they were edgy and insensitive and challenging uh, as anything else on the blockbuster spectrum. So, he wanted to bring that back in some way. Uh, aye, when it comes to casting Matthew McConaughey, he was convinced. Uh, aye, he wanted to con- he wanted to have Matthew McConaughey in his movie after watching his performance in the movie Mud. Oh, aye, that's good. He was good in that film. Aye, because he didn't know how much potential he had until he'd actually seen that film. Because it was it no a lot of like romantic kind of comedy films he'd done. Yeah, yeah. I'd first, done, was like, it no like how to lose a guy in, in ten days or something? Else. That's the first time I've seen that. Like, and and where mud, you actually got to see a true sense of a different like, version of. Aye, he he describes it as uh, not just as a leading man, but as in a sheer acting talent. Uh, he remarked that in McConaughey, he needed an everyday man who can experience these extraordinary events, because he like he does pull off like sort of the blue collar worker. Like another example, like War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. How convincing was Tom Cruise as a blue collar worker? Like you look at him, like that's Tom Cruise. Uh, like, I and know. Does he look like he's done a lot of hard grafting no, in his day? No. And where's like Matthew McConaughey? He even looked old. Like he looked he, like he went through a hard life. Like, I, I, I think Matthew McConaughey's kind of ruined himself. Like he, <laughs> I, sorry, I, I cannot go look for you there, but. Think about it. He, like Matthew McConaughey, they did Dallas Buyers Club, where there's a movie with AIDS, and he made himself like anorexic thin. And then he was in like Wolf of Wall Street, and he still looked anorexic thin in that movie. And now, like, he's probably back to a decent body size, but he still looks so gaunt in the cheeks. Like, he looks really thin in the face. It, I'm just thinking, like, the tone of his body of weight loss. Aye, like, losing so much weight, putting it back on, trying to. But then he makes you be old. Yeah, but these are Hollywood people. They're supposed to look good forever. I don't know if you've got to take your role serious. I mean, come on. Look at Tom Cruise and look at look at him. Tom Cruise, can you imagine him being on the farm, standing, posing, talking? I can, but he... he works. He would probably do everything. Well, he, he could do it if he wants to, but it's not as convincing. Doesn't have a wrinkle on his face. Where... He doesn't have an emotion on his face. Exactly. He was one of the robots on the ship. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um... Let's see, the majority of the shots with the robots, TARS, uh, were not computer generated. 
uh, Rather Targe was a practical puppet controlled and voiced on set oh. uh, by Bill Irwin who was one of the, the voice actors of the robots uh, he was digitally erased from the film so he was behind the machine working it Right. So it was like a big physical prop. And he but was, how did they do the bit where they get spinned like an, a, a, a there would be some, sphere? Like, like, I'd imagine the robots, they would be puppeteering the robots as it's walking up and doing the ship. Or if it's going to control this, the little control pad at the end to to lock the doors. But when it's fucking doing a flip through the ocean, I can imagine that's either some sort of mechanical... Like just a work behind that. Like on a railing, shooting across, or that could be a digital effect because Christopher Nolan doesn't use much digital effects in his movie, which is a huge impressive thing when you're doing a fucking sci-fi movie. Like all those ships were real, and uh, one of the other notes was all the exterior shots of the ships were miniatures, like how people use models, but they called the crew called them Max. Maxagers, in the sense that, right, they've got a spaceship, but they made a model of it, but the model was only a fifth of the size of a spaceship. So it's it's not like a toy car, it's like the size guy. of a car. Okay. So they had like a sort of like big camera rigs like attached onto the side of these ships, which it does look real, like, like to the real size of a ship, mm-hmm. but it's probably like a spaceship the size of a fucking... I was gonna, I was come up with like a fucking Mini Cooper or a Honda. I was like, I don't know my cars. Stop trying to pretend you know your cars, Stuart. Uh, the size of a normal car. Aye, but it was like a, supposed to be like a spaceship. Mm-hmm. So, and that's supposed to be the model for the film. So that's supposed to be like a wee miniature God. version. So, they they did go to a lot of detail. Okay, uh, do you want any more trivia, or you're feeling a wee bit tired, my dear? Getting a bit tired, so now. Who's work today? You want who's work today? Right, I've got fifteen minutes left. It's it's quarter to nine. If I'm done by nine o'clock, when we'll, we'll finish the show, but I'll be finished before then. That's what she said. Anyway, no, that's what he said. Enough. It takes a minute. Hans Zimmer, the the man that done the the composer that did the soundtrack. Did you like the soundtrack to the film? I'd like. I was, I was just about to say I would go out and buy it I, I would uh, <laughs> if I can mind it I, I would find it with to the actual aye but the fucking soundtrack track, like the score like at certain points like with I'd Dr. Man's escape and things like that was fucking really like gripping like the, the score was really really good in the film at some points it looked like there wasn't one at all but other points it was because Christopher Nolan and his soundtracks uh, were fucking well known in films like Dark Knight Rises sort of dun, oh, dun, 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 dun 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 like all these things and people were concerned that he's just going to emulate the same thing again uh-huh. like there's going to be the Dark Knight soundtrack playing in outer space but they went to the point where him and Hans Zimmer basically destroyed all the instruments they made the original soundtrack with and started completely new with a new setup. up like the next thing so they were not doing same. the same thing at all and this is even like the big drums they use for the Dark Knight Rides this is, they're probably in a bin somewhere now God. so they were positive that they weren't going to make the same film well the same, same sound sounds. okay uh, skip past those ones uh, box office and budget this movie cost 165 million to make but it's money well spent and the, the length of the film is roughly about 160 minutes so they're saying it was coming in to just shy of like a million dollars a minute in this film oh god uh, the box office obviously the the final figures aren't set in stone yet because it's still just, out just do it uh, no, it came out oh, at the beginning of the month oh, that's right. but it has made over 327.5 million dollars so oh, it has god, made its money made back it's money back definitely Okay, internet reaction. This is where I get a wee guessing game out of Andrew. Alright. Uh, IMDB rate the movies out of 10. So, what do you think the audience... Well, there's been two th- 230,000 votes on IMDB. Uh, I would say... A 9, probably. Or an eight, 8 or 9. 9 out of 10. 
Because I came what folk are like. Some folk ah. are fussy. So INDB rated it 9 out of 10 based on the 230,000 votes. But Rotten Tomatoes do theirs on a percentage scale out of 100. Oh, and right. this is based on positive and negative reviews. Oh, right. So, it is positive. So that's between 50 and 100. Uh, Where, what did the critics I would say in the 80s, somewhere. So you would say 80? Uh, 80s. Right. Like, I know, you need to give me like a... Let's say 85. Wrong. Yeah. It's all right. You had, a, you had a, the odds of 1 in 50. Um, 73%. Wow, really? So that was based oh. on 182 positive reviews from critics and it had 66 negative reviews from critics. <laughs> so, that's usually the little guessing game I give Andrew. He gets close, but never close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it pisses him off. So, uh, that's it. We've, we have, we've talked for an hour now on Interstellar and... I've done my facts, done the trivia. So all we can do now is talk about the next episode. It's gonna be first blood. Andrew's gonna be back. Margaret could retire now from podcasting. Until I'm needed again. Until I kinda get a hold of Andrew and I have to force myself to sit down and spend an hour with my wife. God, I feel sorry for you. I can you should you should fucking meet her. <laughs> anyway, films and swearing.com for everything about films and swearing because I can't be bothered telling you the address to our Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube or Instagram account. You can find all of that out at filmsandswearing.com. I've been your host Stuart Sutherland and joining me has been my lovely wife that I can't say a bad thing about because I love her so much. She gave me my first child and she's currently carrying my second. Please don't hit me. <laughs> Margaret Sutherland. Good night, everyone. Fuck off and tune in next week. Night, night, everyone. <laughs> well, this different. isn't fucking sooty and sweet. <laughs>